Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. This year commemorates the 24th year of the genocide against Tutsis in Rwanda. To commemorate this event, the Johannesburg Holocaust and Genocide Center, in partnership with the High Commission of Rwanda in Pretoria and the United Nations Information Center, hosted an evening of jazz with a musical performance by Sophie Nzadisenga and Jeremy Daneman. Jeremy is a New York jazz musician, and Sophie is a musician too. The two of them came together, and um, in the next few minutes, I'll find out exactly how and why. But firstly, let me welcome both of you, Jeremy and Sophia. Thank you for coming in. Thank you very much. Thank you. What brought the two of you together? In 2009, for my birthday, I decided to have a parade instead of a party. So I uh, took my saxophone and I started marching from my home in Brooklyn to Queens. These are all parts of New York for people who don't know. And from Queens into Manhattan and then Manhattan back to Brooklyn. So I was doing basically 11 hours walking around doing a mobile street performance. Just you. Just me. I had emailed all my friends and said I'm having a parade instead of a party this year and estimated when I'd be at what parts of the city. And some people showed up, but uh, I was the only one who was there for the whole thing. <laughs> so I found that this was like my best birthday ever. Uh, I had a great time and learned that I really enjoyed reaching audiences just on the streets and outside of normal venues, because in normal venues this type of person goes to that place and this kind of person goes to this place and on the streets it's just all kinds of people uh so my birthday's in march and in april every year they commemorate the anniversary of the genocide against the tutsi in rwanda and i had been following this because my grandmother was a holocaust survivor so I took an interest in this topic, and I had a curiosity about the people over there of my generation who um, had experienced similar conditions. So I decided to go give street performances in Rwanda. And I uh, came up with this idea in April of 2009, and I was there later in that summer. Wow. So you just arrived with, you're a saxophonist? I play saxophone and clarinet. Okay, so you're a jazz musician. Yeah. You do street performances, you have a Holocaust history, and the next thing you know, you're in Rwanda. Correct. What happened then? <laughs> um, so I was really eager to get started. I arrived in Rwanda in the evening, and the next morning I woke up. I had asked some people where a good place to play was, and people told me uh, a place I was staying near called Kimironko Market would be a great place to play. So the next morning I went to Kimironko Market with my saxophone and I took out my saxophone. And as soon as I took out the saxophone, people started crowding around before I even started playing it. Um, you know, they just saw this, this foreign instrument. And then I started playing it and people started crowding around even more, just a huge crowd with like uh, little kids practically just standing like right beneath me. Uh, trying to touch the saxophone and things. and um, So as I was playing, I started realizing that if I stopped playing, I'm going to have to talk. They're going <laughs> to ask me what's going on. So I just kept playing for a while. And then, you know, as 
once I couldn't play anymore, I stopped. And of course, people were like, what are you doing? What is this? You know, well, they, they were very appreciative. They clapped <laughs> and everything, but then they wanted to hear the story. And luckily, I was uh, near a university. I can't remember the exact name of it. It might have been the Kigali Institute of Education or something. Is that near Kiniranko Market? I think that was it. So there were some students there who were studying English, and they helped me translate. And I told them what brought me to Rwanda, that I wanted to commemorate the genocide uh, and celebrate peace. And people were very receptive to this message. It's amazing how music has an ability to just instantly talk to everybody, irrespective of language and culture. Yeah, that's part of what got me into this. I felt, especially from the birthday parade, that this was a unique way of reaching people and of uh, sharing yourself with others and letting other people share themselves with you. So Sophie's in the studio with us. She's at the moment a silent partner just because her English is not as great as it could be. But perhaps, um, Jeremy, you can tell us how the two of you got together. Before I even came up with this idea of the birthday parade and doing street performances in Rwanda, I had learned of an instrument called inanga, actually, which is the instrument Sophie plays. There's a uh, excellent collection of field recordings from the Nunsuch series called The Music of Burundi. At that point, I just thought Inanga was something that was in Burundi, but I really liked it. And then as I was planning my trip, I found out that Inanga is also a national instrument in Rwanda. It's mostly just in Burundi and Rwanda, maybe a little bit in Uganda. Can you describe the instrument? Sure. It is like a a long piece of wood, which I believe is meant to kind of look like a shield. And then there is one string wrapped around it ten times. And the pitch is somewhere between a guitar and a bass. And Sophie also sings when she plays it. Um, So I had asked people, are there Inanga players here? And they said, why don't we introduce you to Sophie? So that's how I met Sophie. And we played a concert at the Goethe Institute in Rwanda in 2009. That's amazing. And the instruments, the, the saxophonist with the instrument you've described, do they... I mean, we're going to play your CD a little bit later, but... The kinds of music and was the connection instant? I think so. Yeah. Uh, Sophie wants to say something? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing you should know about the Inanga is that um, it used to be, until now, only played by males. Only men played Inanga. And uh, Sophie is the first and only professional female Inanga player. Um, her father was a famous Inanga player, and he taught her how to play. And I'm sure genetics and inborn talent probably has something to do with it as well. You will hear that Sophie has a lot of natural ability, without a doubt. And uh, the, the connection of the two instruments together was just a natural... Yes. I think um, so much of American music is a little bit rooted in African music. So kind of when you combine... American and African music, it's um, pretty natural, I think. And the two of you have been performing together. Is is language a barrier for you? Sometimes. When we're playing music, we usually figure, at, figure it out. When we're trying to like figure out how to get somewhere or where to meet or what to eat or something like that, maybe then language is more of a barrier. But when we're playing music, there's not much of a language barrier. So the two of you basically just come in together when it sounds right. And I mean, you, you'll see, do you want to talk a bit about your CD and how it evolved? 
So there's some songs here that are Rwandan songs, and then I also studied some traditional Inanga music and some of what Sophie was doing more recently, and I kind of constructed melodies that could go with things that um, I had heard Inanga players do before. So it could be a natural collaboration. And as we've been going on, continuing to play together, I think we're starting to move past that and sort of saying, now I'll do this and you think of something to do with that, or she'll do this and I'll think <laughs> of something to do with what she's doing. So we're still evolving. And what is the response to your music and the two of you performing together been? Um, always very good, I think. For some people, it's very unexpected. Um, I think it depends where we are, too. Um, I mean, last, well, I shouldn't say last night because by the time this is recorded, it won't be. But you, while you're in South Africa, you played at the Orbit, a jazz club in Bramfontein. Um, what was the reception to that performance from South Africans like? It was very good. People were very enthusiastic about what we were doing. Um, to them, it was something very new, too, because, um, you know, South Africans don't know the Inanga. This is the first time they had seen Inanga. And not only that, but we had this other guy playing with us, Mpo Morikang from Lesotho, and he brought some very exotic instruments himself. <laughs> so we were really doing something... Uh, a collaboration between jazz musicians and African folk musicians wow. that uh, people had been unfamiliar with. Well, um, when are you next back in South Africa? This is the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we will be back, but I don't know when. Uh, to play your music? Has there been... Uh, are you coming back because you're driven to do so, or...? Um, well, I'm hoping that this trip and the performances we do here will sort of drive yes. the initiative for more people to approach us about playing here in the future. Uh, Jeremy, we're going to play out with one of your songs on your CD. If anybody would like to get hold of you um, to contact you because they'd like to know more about the music or more about what you do, what, how should they do so? They can contact me through my website, www.jeremydaneman.com. My name is spelled J-E-R-E-M-Y-D-A-N-N-E-M-A-N. That's perfect. If anybody, of course, didn't get those details, they're welcome to contact me, and I'll be happy to supply that further. Well, then I just have to say thank you very much for coming into the studio. Thank you for taking the time. And we're going to play out with one of your songs. Thank you very much for having us here. Thank you.